0: Welcome back, everyone, for Season 2, Episode 4 of The Loaf Podcast. Today, we're very lucky to be joined by Jonathan Townsend, Acting CEO of The Prince's Trust, a charitable foundation working on promoting social mobility and career opportunities for disadvantaged young people. Mr. Townsend, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. How are you doing?
1: Very well, thank you. Very well. It's my pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, we're very happy to have you on as well. We're really excited.
1: Yeah, well, we're really
2: excited. So we, um, we thought it would be good to kind of break the ice first before we get into the... More meaty questions. Um, we saw you work as Brands Director for Heineken and kind of beverage industry and we're wondering if you, if you drink beer, what you do to relax and what your kind
1: of favourite beer is if you do? That's a, that's a very good question. So um, what I do to relax is uh, I, I've got um, two uh, now grown-up boys so spend a lot of time with my family play a lot of sport Um, sadly I'm not not fit enough anymore to play uh, hockey or uh, football which were my big passions when I was younger um, and I support a football team that's in an absolute crisis at the moment so uh, yeah. that's one of my pleasures. Uh, sadly Leeds United, I think we're in our fourth manager um, and uh, I do enjoy uh, a beer from time to time. I used to be on the board of uh, of Theakston's which is a, a beer from Yorkshire so if you were to put me in my, my last uh, Last pint, it would be a pint of Thixon's XB in my local pub. Nice.
3: Brilliant, thank you. Uh, I'm very glad that you brought up football. Actually, I was going to ask you on Leeds and United. It might be a bit of a sore topic, but um, how do you feel about your chances
0: against relegation at
1: the moment? I, I, I'm 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 sad to say that with our uh, with our run in of, of of City, Newcastle, West Ham, and uh, finally Tottenham, I, I think we've got a very slim chance of staying up. We had to win the last three games that we played, which was Bournemouth, Fulham, and Leicester, and Unfortunately, we only got one point out of each of those um, and added to that, there's complete turmoil that's going on in the in the club, in the changing room and in the club. It, it, you know, it's got, I'm afraid, a, um, relegation written all over it. Mm-hmm. You guys won't remember when we got relegated last time, but exactly the same thing happened. We brought in a an old pro Terry Venables to try and keep us up and, and went down on the last game of the season. So if we could move on from football, then this, uh, <laughs> this might, uh, might keep on track.
2: <laughs> yeah, brilliant.
1: So um,
2: I just want to ask the first question would be, um, tell us how you originally got into business. Um, where did you originally work at, you know, and how was your journey to um, working at Business Australia?
1: So I, I went to Loughborough University and I read um, sports science and, and geography. So my um, uh, when I left, there used to be a thing called the milk round. I don't know if that still exists. Um, and uh, I applied to a number of firms and happened to, be recruited by the brewer bass who were um, this is back in the mid 80s who were an excellent employer they invested a lot of money in in their graduate program gave a very strong um, sort of training and education great experience actually coming out of university going into working in the northwest of england um, running running pubs or helping run pubs in you know some some quite challenging areas in liverpool and manchester um, was was how i started and it taught me a lot about uh, management and it taught me a lot about um, uh, you know just the simple things of running businesses running I, I used to be a district manager as we, we were called in those days So I had twenty, twenty-two 22 people employed uh, directly and then a whole number of staff working in those pubs and it was a very very quick immersion into the world of business and, and over 26 years in the in the hospitality industry I worked in all sections of the sort of drinks trade and hospitality trade both in the UK and and then internationally which was um which was fascinating and that that gave me a really good grounding um in in all sorts of um i suppose the commercial world and then um my move to the prince's trust was a little bit by um not by plan but by the accident of a headhunter phone call um and the headhunter called me and talked to me about the work that the trust does um, and I just felt that there was so much um, strength in, in you know, the, the support the trust gives to young people, um, those who face adversity, those who face disadvantaged. And, and I felt that there was an opportunity to bring all those things that I'd learned with Bass and Heineken and other companies. And, and Bass were very generous to, to put me through an MBA um, at the beginning of the 90s at Bradford University. And that was a very, very useful thing to do so um that's that's how i sort of started that's where i picked up a whole load of experience and and that's how i made the transition to to the charity world
3: when you when you first started off in the charity industry did you feel a sort of philanthropic desire with that or was it just sort of opportunity came up to you
1: um I, I think what motivated me, and I'd say this to anybody who's thinking about, you know, working in this world in this area, um, is that you have to be committed to the cause. You have to be passionate. It's like when you work in in industry. I, you know, I genuinely believe you can only sell things that you you're passionate about, um, and uh, and and you can be, um, you know, you can be a real advocate for them. And, and when I uh, w- was told about the work that the trust does, and then when I've seen what the work the trust does, it's it's incredibly engaging activity um, um but you know i hear a lot of people talk about giving back as if it's some sort of you know backwater that that you know you, you do all your life in the commercial world and then you're going to slow down before you retire it's 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 completely the opposite you know the charity world is incredibly intense um we're there at the behest of the you know we're we're in service of the young people that we're trying to help and and, and we're Obviously, we have very sort of strict and, and formal governance, but but we have the same level of operational governance and expectation that any commercial organisation would. Um, and so the sort of notion that this is some soft vocation is is completely opposite to what it is. It's a, it's a really, really tough, engaging, but rewarding place to work. Mm-hmm.
0: I think we'll get in, you just touched on sort of how the charity industry differs from business. I think we'll get into that uh, properly a little bit later. You mentioned your mission with, Young people helping young people from disadvantage uh, disadvantaged backgrounds, what do you think is the biggest challenge that young disadvantaged people face today
1: it, you know it's difficult to say young disadvantaged background, but what we we talk about young people who face adversity and disadvantage and disadvantage can be all sorts of different things it can be economic disadvantage it can be circumstantial um, it can be you know sort of health related so so it's a whole series of of, of challenges and and you know we support um young people who are coming out of care who may have been um you know suffering from mental health and, and so on. Um I, I I think the 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 surveys that we do, we do a survey called the Youth Index would tell you that that the that, um the, the issues such as mental health um sense of, of purpose are have been um increasingly diminished and particularly for young people who, who do face that adversity and who do face that disadvantage. And I think the events that we've experienced recently internationally and and you know obviously here in the u k firstly the pandemic and then across the living crisis mean that um it's got a whole lot tougher and and that's compounded a little bit by um say different from when I was um you know in that situation, so all those years ago when I started working in the brewing industry, there wasn't any social media there wasn't that sort of intensity of scrutiny that there is um these days so I think there are a whole number of challenges that 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 those young people who face adversity and disadvantages have to come up against, and I, and I do think that you know I know we're going to talk a little bit about social mobility. The, the surveys that we do would suggest that 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 young people who come from the more um, uh, you know um, uh, di- di- disadvantaged backgrounds um, feel that more. They they feel their purpose is um the scores uh, you know are always worse than people who come from a better background and that comes from the fact that they just haven't got the network of support they haven't got and um, potentially the resources around them that, that those who come from a slightly better um, background come from uh, sorry have
2: uh, that, that's really interesting um, and it's interesting that you brought up the youth index um, because from our research we saw that it is well-being is at the lowest level since the study even began in 2009 and we're wondering how the princess trust now is adapting its services. To support young people's mental health and well-being and what what it's implementing
1: whether it's related to technology or or other stuff so you know i i think we need to be really really clear that we're not a mental health charity so i i don't yeah. want in any way to get to give that impression but 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 our sort of mindset is that if we through the programs that we run support um uh, these young people into a a, a better opportunity through education, self employment, or employment to to ultimately have the opportunity to secure work. Then, then we know that that will have a positive um, impact on on their mental health and and, and their well being. And and so, um, you know, then then I think you know we have to be very mindful of the very specific circumstances that young people face. So, when we went through the pandemic, the the sense was was that there would be High levels of unemployment because there was anticipation there would be you know an economic crash what what 's actually happened as 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 i 'm sure you guys would know is that actually we 've got um we 've got nearly full employment and we 've got significant issues of of vacancies and so so the, the young people that we 're looking to help at the moment are those who are economically inactive and and they 're very often economically inactive because they 're caring they may well be in education but but um because they're caring and there are some who just don't know how to um get back into into work or that opportunity so you ask me the question what do we do to adapt <clears throat> we 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 set ourselves the ambition of being insight led and impact driven so the insight tells us what the young people need at a particular time and that does vary you know that varies with um all those big factors like sort of the impact of social media and so on but it also varies With the economic cycle so if there's higher levels of employment if you've got a stronger economy um that there will be certain ways that we have to respond if as we are at the moment you've got an issue where there's you know quite high levels of of employment and who knows how long that will change then our work is to try and really focus in on those young people who are probably further away from the job market are probably suffering more from those well-being and mental health issues and try and do what we can through our programs we do intertwine into our programs work specifically around mental health and well-being and we get some great support from a number of our corporate supporters to very actively um, bring that into our work and so there's something we can do um, you know almost in the work that we do and then if we've got young people who've got you know significant issues then we would refer them on to the appropriate um, you know agencies to, to to give them that help.
3: So one of, one of the programs that um, the Princess Trust runs is the, is the mentorship um, system that you have. Um, what sort of qualities do you look for in mentors and ambassadors when you're when you're
1: sort of hiring them? Is it a volunteer system or? It's, it's a really good question. I, I, I think that um, there's all sorts of qualities that you can look for in 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 mentors because there are all sorts of volunteers. And sorry, that sounds a really glib answer. It's not intended to be, but we have volunteers who do so many jobs for us. And I think the underlying factor. With every single one of them is that is that they they share the values of the trust and they're passionate about helping young people. That that's the sort of underlying, um, uh, I think you know, skill experience that you would want, and that should underscore everybody's engagement. And if frankly, if people don't have that, then that appetite to be able to get involved um, can change very quickly. Um, and then there's so many different things that volunteers can do to support. So so we have um, you know we have um, mentors. The traditional notion of a volunteer would be a retired accountant or a business person who's got you know many many years of experience. You know, probably somebody at my age who's got years of experience and, and can share um, share some of those experiences. But you know, that's a, that's a model that is still incredibly valuable. But, but there are so many different other sorts of skills and experiences. And you know, we often talk about young people who might be two steps ahead. So that a person who's been through our help. Um, has established themselves in in a job who can go back and talk as a mentor um, to to uh, to the young people and talk about a, a really relevant and recent experience. And if I talk to somebody about what I did in my twenties, you know, they're very quickly gone to sleep or thinking, "How's that relevant to me?" But we've got you know job ambassadors or young ambassadors who can who've been through our programs over the last few years who can talk about the situation that they faced and the and that completely resonates. And hopefully very often they'll be from the same communities as the young people that we're looking to support. And so it's that really sort of relevant, um, uh, um, you know, uh, content and, and experience and patience to work with young people. So, so, you know, grounding is someone who's passionate about supporting young people and then from very many different backgrounds. And I think wh- why it works or when it works is that there's, an, there's a chemistry between the mentor and the mentee. Um, and that chemistry means that you know that there 's an opening up of the conversation i 'll be very clear we obviously have a safeguarding as our number one priority, so the safety of all parties in that in that engagement is is really really critical um and um you know from that point ensuring that that 's there then then you'd hope that both parties can get something out of of working together
2: thank you that that 's actually really insightful um so you talked just a bit earlier about how. The Prince's Trust's approach to young people has changed over time, Um, whether you you touched on uh, the Great Recession, as well as uh, social media, the impact of social media on young people's mental health. Um, I'm just curious on how specifically the organization has evolved over time and what have has been, have there been any significant changes you've seen during your tenure um,
1: as CEO? Yeah, yeah. I mean. It, it it's an it's an ever changing organisation so the, the the principles of what we do and the the, the programmes have the same intention so um, and uh, and uh, you know the, the his majesty the king set up the prince's trust back in 1976 and and, and in 1976 there was there was quite strong economic hardship and, and and the principle on which he set the trust up was was that he felt that there were certain groups of society young people in society who were being left behind so he used his navy pension to, um, to, to establish a number of projects that have, that have ultimately emerged into into programs and and one of those was the enterprise program which was to help young people set up their own business and you know the enterprise program gives young people three things it gives them confidence, it gives them the, the access to finance and it gives them um, a network from which they can work from so the, the sort of if I use that as a sort of principle, those three things were as important 47 years ago as they are today. But how we deliver the programmes and the way we recruit and the, and the partners that we work with, and we work with many partners, is 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 forever evolving. And and so you know the pandemic was a was a real shock to every organisation, and particularly for an organisation like ours that that delivered face to face. And the, the work environment is changing, so there's increased amount of digital um, skills required in work. You know the nature of work is changing, the growth of health and social care and sustainable construction. So as an organisation, if we're focused in jobs of the past, you know, we're, we're going to become obsolete very quickly. So we have to continue to evolve in how we work, who we work with, to make sure that we're relevant um, to meet the needs of young people. And, you know, we've touched on mental health. We, we we might not have had that as such a key important part of our considerations 15 years ago, mm-hmm. but it is increasingly important to to young people. So it evolves all the time. And it's one of those things that most of those changes happen just through through evolution. Um, but the pandemic was was a time when it was a real shock to the organization. It meant we needed to pivot the way that we, you know, our programs are face to face. I'm sure those of you who were at university at the time of the pandemic were studying either in your your rooms or back home. Um, you know, you you experienced the same thing. We then had to work out how we became digital, how we connect with young people digitally. Our marketing, our recruitment is very different. You know, in the past we'd have stuck posters up on sort of bus stations or in local chip shops or what have you. Nowadays, we do all our, or a, or a large proportion of our recruitment through social media. So, you know, you're forever staying in, in tune. And I suppose what we're trying to be is to be as relevant and as present with the young people that we want to support as possible and making sure that the outcomes that we drive are equally relevant to them.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's that's really interesting, you you touching upon the way that COVID affected the charity. I was I was wondering how COVID affected your experience as a leader and how you had to adapt your own leadership style with COVID. If there was a change,
1: I was actually appointed the CEO, full-time CEO in in April of 2020. So I joined as acting CEO in 2019, and so, um, so what a time to get a job, eh?
3: Um,
1: so, uh, so, so we we. we um, had to think I had to think and we as a leadership team had to think about the organization in in, and we and we landed on three really simple thoughts the first was that we wanted to be there for young people because it would be easy at a time of a real organizational challenge to um you know to sort of go into shore and to, to to wait for the storm to blow over but that would not have been in service of the young people that were here to help and to try so we tried everything we could to change our programs from being um face to face to being digital, but we also knew that we had a big well being um challenge. a lot of the young people we support may be carers, they may live on their own, they may be very isolated so so we we went to try and also give them some sense of community so they could feel um you know that there were people out there thinking for them. Our second ambition was to be there for the Prince's Trust community. So to really think about our staff, you know, clearly they were impacted by COVID. Everybody went to home working. Um, we had furlough, we had to think about could how long could we um, sustain the operational um, organisation that we had and, and furlough meant we could look at that. But also we've got a big community of volunteers as, as we've touched on and, and corporate supporters. And, and so our second ambition was to, to to be there for our community but to also make sure our community was there for the young people. Mm-hmm. And then the third ambition was to sort of ensure the short and long term sustainability, and, mm-hmm. and that means that you take really clear decisions about about what you do every day, and, and you think about every single action. And, and pre pandemic, you know, you've got an idea. We've got eleven hundred plus people here at the organisation of, of what people are doing, but in that time, you had to be really clear about the resource and how you were um, how you were using that resource to ensure that you were doing the job in the short term, but that you weren't in any way jeopardizing the longer term future.
0: Thank you. So you were talking about short and long-term strategy, for example, so in a lot of ways, running a charity must be similar to a business, thinking about projects over the next few years. Could you tell us a little bit about the differences between running a registered charity or being part of one, and a standard profit-seeking company?
3: Yeah, um,
1: I I think that the... um, The way i used to explain it to people when i came from the 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 brewing industry is is um people are particularly passionate about beer but but there comes a point that you know it's a commercial transaction Mm -hmm. um and you know when you're supporting young people um you know you're supporting a person and you're trying to help them help them improve their life and help uh, help their um you know their, their future and so there's a, there's a there's a far different emotional connection to to the work that we do. And, and, and I'm not in any way suggesting that people who work in, in the commercial world aren't in, in, incredibly committed. Um, but when you're in a cause-led activity, um, then there is a different mindset that you come to it. You know, you want to try and help those young people in the way that you're set up to do it. But you have to do it in a very structured way. And, and there are many, many similarities in the way that we operate. Um um, to to the way that you know another organisation would work. You know, I, I consider my job to be to get the very best of, out of the resources that that you know the the, 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 the council or the board put at our disposal. So that's the people, that's the young people. Sorry, the the money that we're that we're given through our fundraisers. That's the um, uh, you know the, the broader volunteer group. And and in a in a commercial organisation, you clearly are, are responsible to your shareholders and you're responsible to your board. We're responsible to our young people, firstly, that we're in service of, but we're also responsible to our council, to our volunteers, to our staff. And so we have stakeholders in a similar way, but we're not driven to, to, to drive a profit, but we need to drive an organization that um, can pay for itself, that doesn't, doesn't, doesn't make a big surplus. You know, in, in our world, if you make a surplus, then people are asking you, why are you doing that? You should be spending the money on your beneficiaries but you know if you think it's just a different number you know if you think about an organization might need to make a 10% profit or return on shareholders to pay a dividend our job actually is to invest that money um as wisely as we can to support as many young people into a positive outcome as possible so all you're doing is you're sort of shifting the line mm-hmm. of performance but you still have to perform you're still accountable you still have stakeholders to answer to and you still have to think about what's the good for now and what's the good for the future so so you know we like Uh, Any corporate organisation have our internal systems, our IT, all those things require investment in them. We have a a big property estate. You know, we have to think about investment in those and the resources that we put into it. And, you know, and I keep saying it, we we do it with that sort of singular drive to say, how do we support as many young people as possible into an impactful outcome? Whereas if I was selling beer, it would be how many cases of beer can I sell as profitably as possible to the benefit of the... The, the the customer the you know the, the the retailer the consumer and the stakeholder so there's a lot that's the same but i think that thing that differences is the emotional connection with the work that you do do
3: you, do you find you have more scrutiny from the outside world um because you are a charity and because you're so known
1: um I, I i think that governance um you know it's it's 13 years since i was in in what um you know you'd call the, the sort of the, the more um you know sort of commercial side but 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 I think you know I used to be in the health the alcohol industry that has an incredible amount of scrutiny to it, so you know responsible drinking is clearly a really important um part of what brewers and 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 you know drinks man, manufacturers and retailers have to to think around so that, there's a high level of scrutiny in in that industry and I think you know we have governance through th- things like the charity commission um and um we've got you know standards to meet in terms of health and safety and safeguarding so I I don't know that there's more and I've never sort of sat down to think about which is the which is which is the more um uh, governed. I, I think in both sectors I would say the levels of scrutiny are appropriate. You know, we have to be held to task, we have to make sure our environments are safe. If you're selling alcohol, you have to do it responsibly and and and, and you know do it for the reasons that, that, that are good, not not in any other way to be exploitative. So I, I don't know that that um that one's either better than the other, but I think they're probably appropriate in both. Thank you. So
0: we've talked a lot about, um, well, you've just talked a lot about the differences uh, as it relates to organisations and the industries. Maybe we could focus a little bit more on individuals now. Do you find that there's a lot of differences in terms of, say, work environment or uh, career ambition,
1: even given that ultimately it's an impact-driven thing? Um, it, I'll tell you one thing for a fact. It, it, it's not as well paid. Um, and and I don't say that actually uh, flippantly, but I, I think you know that the the, um, the 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 sort of the 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 given I think is that is that reward in 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 a sector like this one is is not going to be as great for a comparable role in in industry. Um, but I think the reward is is is, and I, and I don't say this in a sort of cheesy or churlish way. The reward is 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 given in a different way. You, you know, the, the the benefit and the power of supporting people to improve their 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 outlook and the, and their outcomes is is incredibly um you know is incredibly rewarding. Um, yeah, you, you certainly get um different groups of people who would be interested in working in charity, um. But, I, but actually, I think you know, as I've sort of tried to say, I, I, I think it's um, a bit uh, simplistic and probably a bit lazy to say there's a charity sort of person or there's a commercial sort of person. You know, we've got great people who could fit in both. You know, in both the commercial world and the charity world. And I've, I've worked with colleagues in the commercial world who could equally work in the in in the charity sector and, and drop into it and, and work seamlessly. As I've said, I think I think that probably. And I'm not saying that people who work in the commercial world don't aren't cause-driven, but but I think to be successful in this sector, you have to have a really strong sense of of, of what you're doing and why you're doing it, and and the reasons that you're doing it, because it's such an important part of of the work we do.
2: Um, would you consider there to be competition in getting involved within the charity business, given the enormous amount of causes uh, that people could donate to, and given the finite amount of money that people are willing to donate
1: to? Uh, certain causes do you think that is would you call charity business a sort of competitive industry um i i i think is there competition for funding i think the answer yeah. is is very much yes is the competition for support i think the answer is yes i i would say it's a very different sort of competition than you know back in back in my brewing days um you know there was very very it was there was there was industry there was industry camaraderie but there was very, very competitive, um, um, you know, uh, as you'd expect, um, behaviours between the different companies. I, I don't think you see that within within the, in the charity world. You, you don't see it in any way uh, as you would see it in the commercial world. But I, I think it would be equally naive to say that it isn't a competitive environment in which, um, you know, there are... I think there are hundreds of thousands of charities in this country, you know, in these four countries where we work, and 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 um, I, I do think the charity world is far more collaborative. Uh, you know, we as an organisation work with a whole number of delivery partners who who um, do you know deliver some of our programmes for us, and 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 we try and land on the best solution to support young people. Um, but but you know. Is, is there competition for funding um yes there is and um I just think it's a sort of slightly different um different in its nature um and you know simply if you're if you know our ambition is to be impact led and, and therefore to make sure that the work that we do Delivers against our ambition of supporting young people and 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 I think if we're able to do that then then we will be successful and and others will be successful around us because as I say you know we, we're not a mental health charity mm-hmm. there are many areas for young people that we don't we don't support so so I think the answer is yes but different
3: so for our listeners um, who are listening in and, and thinking oh, okay how how could I get involved with the Princess trust um considering that they young people themselves undergraduates. the graduates.
1: How how could how could they get involved? What, what potential avenues are there? So so there's a whole number of ways that that you could get involved. I mean, it, it's it's I, I would say it's a great career. So so one of your thoughts might be as you as you leave university, then um, then it's a consideration of whether it's an area that you you may want to work. And and you know um, all the information around the careers with the trust c- can be found through through our website. Um, you may want to help raise money for the trust um we do a lot of um sort of mass participation events um and uh and and you know we we we're, we're not a big player in the london marathon you won't see many princes trust vests but there were a good number running around and and, and we do mass participation events that we we run ourselves. Um, um, we do a, a bike race of, called Palace to Palace, or Ride Palace. It's not a race, by the way. Uh, Palace to Palace, and we do a, a sort of footsteps initiative. Um, you may think about volunteering. Now, um, I think the volunteering consideration is one of, of, of um, you know, how may I, how may I be able to help? And 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 um, as you. Call out, you know, um, you are all, I should imagine, of a similar age to the young people we support. We support young people between the a- ages of 11 and 30. To give you a quick example, my 23 year old son, um, through his company, um, does some volunteer uh, work for the Prince's Trust. Uh, he works for Barkers and they do CV sessions and they do skill sessions with young people from um, our team program. So, so there are um, opportunities potentially. Not quite now as as undergraduates, but as you as you go into to work to do that. Um, so so there's a whole there's a whole series of ways of being formally involved, looking at the, the, the trust as a, as a career, raising funds through either individual activity. It might be activity that you drive yourselves or through some of our mass participation events and then ultimately thinking about volunteering opportunities. Um, and, you know, as I say, the traditional notion of a volunteer was somebody of my age. Well, you know, we've got volunteers of, of, of all ages coming from all communities who have hopefully got something to add to to um, the young people.
2: Thank you. Um, that, that's quite insightful. And to kind of follow up from that and bring it from an individual perspective to a bit of a wider one, um, how do you think the responsibility of the state to provide welfare interplays with this idea of charity,
1: philanthropy and um, individual support? um look i i think that um it's not my place to talk about the responsibility of the state i think that, that in this in you know in, in the uk um there's a brilliant um support network between government you know we work very closely with government with um the third sector organizations like ourselves and with with corporates and again we work brilliantly with corporates and the pandemic was a great way of of, of of looking at the challenges, so the kickstart program came through many discussions over that first um, summer of the pandemic. Of saying, if there is going to be high levels of unemployment, how can we help those people who are already um, in a difficult circumstance? And so, but, you know, I, I I'm here to think about how do we work with agencies like government, agencies like corporate supporters, um, and philanthropists, and and you know the public sector to think about how can we Really address this use challenge um, uh, and get involved. And, and you know, you know, as I say, I, I talk with um, ministers and MPs and and local government all the time about how we can help. And 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 you know, we're always looking to find that solution in partnership with with them and with the corporate partners that we work with. Thank
0: you. So you mentioned Kickstarter as one example. Could you tell us a little bit about your work with uh,
1: the government? Yeah, so so I mean we, we we work across the areas of education, employment, um, uh, self employment. So so we work with a whole number of departments at, at uh, uh in government and and you know we're a, we're an apolitical organisation, so we have no political affiliation, um, and uh, we would like to think that governments see us as a one of a number of youth charities who can support you know, young people in this in, in, in um, you know, these challenging situations. So, yeah, for example, with the Department of Work and Pensions, we've got great relationships with job centres. We have colleagues who will be continually working with job centres up and down the country who will work with the job centres to get referrals for young people to come onto our programme. So you know, I think what we're trying to do is, is work, as I said in my previous answer, to try and connect um, a, a potential solution to a particular problem um whether that's ar- around education whether that's around employment or self employment
0: thank you very much so i think that's mostly sort of all of the questions we have for you today just whilst we wrap up on a light hearted note we wanted to ask you if you'd be going to the
1: coronation <laughs> that's a very good question um i'll be i'll be in london over the weekend mm-hmm. oh well i hope you enjoy
0: thank you so much for coming on uh, we'd just like to ask you if you had any concluding thoughts or advice for our listeners.
1: Yeah, look, no, I, 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 um, I'm firstly delighted at the opportunity to to talk to you, and, and and thank you for for the questions and and for the thoughtfulness that's gone into those. Um, I, I, I think you know, as a career, this is a brilliant career. It, it's incredibly rewarding, um, in terms of, and I'm talking about charity, the charity sector. It's incredibly rewarding for the work that it does. But well, as I've said, you know, a few times through it it, it, it requires that real connection to the cause. But, but you know, for whatever for whatever um, way people want to get involved, there are so many ways that that everybody can help out. And you know, I know coming up this weekend, there's a there's a there's a big help out day on Monday with volunteering being called for. So think about how you might volunteer. Think about how you might be able to support an organisation like the Prince's Trust to raise funds. Um, you know with a pandemic and a and a cost-of-living crisis there are many young people who face a real challenge at the moment and think about that as you go into your as you pass through your undergraduate days and, and move out into um into your careers um uh, and how how you can use your skills knowledge and sort of ability to raise income to to, to help an organization like ours because it's incredibly powerful and it's a I, I hate the phrase it's a nice way to give back but it's a brilliant way to contribute to society and and you know i was looking at a piece of work this morning that said so what's the what's the so what of all this the so what is that if we invest in young people the country and all of us get a dividend out of out of that investment we not only support young people's well-being and health and productivity but we also have a real positive impact on on you know the ongoing cost of the communities in which we work and the contribution that they make so it, it is incredibly worthwhile
0: thank you thank you so, so much for wrap up thank you so much for coming on No worries
3: about your day.